want to talk a little bit about fear. And I don't mean phobias. Uh, I'm talking about the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of the future. I've talked to a number of people that are afraid of the future. What's the future going to hold? What's this year going to hold? What are we going to do, you know? Or even the fear of death. Um, these are all real fears that we carry with us. Some of us carry them more than others. And we're going to look at a chapter where, uh, in Genesis chapter 26, where um, Isaac, out of fear, sins. And you've done it too. I am almost guaranteed that fear has led you to sin, to sin. And maybe in the same way that Isaac sinned. And we're going to look at that. But let me give you the, the context. I'm going to just kind of go through the storyline. Then I want to jump in at one point of the chapter. So there, there's a famine in the land. And Isaac needs to relocate his family because there's no food. And God comes to him and basically reaffirms to him the Abrahamic covenant. And the Abrahamic covenant was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And what God says to Abraham is, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to have a lot of children. You're going to have more children than you can count. And I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. And all the nations of the world are going to be blessed by you. And I'm going to give you land. Those, that's the Abrahamic covenant. He virtually says exactly the same thing to Isaac. He's saying, basically saying, the, the promises I made to Abraham, I make them now to you. So he goes to this strange land. It's not a strange land, but it's a new land. It's a new place. And uh, Gerar and uh, Abimelech is the, is the king. And uh, they're kind of hanging out there for a while. And he is immediately presented with a similar challenge with Abraham. When Abraham went down to Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, he says, tell everybody you're my sister because I'm afraid that if they find out you're my wife, they'll kill me. And so Isaac does the same thing. It's the same thing. Second chapter, right? So he goes into Gerar and he basically says, uh, you know, she's my sister. And so one, one night, apparently Abimelech is looking out his window, and he sees... And I was reading the ESV, the English Standard Version, uh, this last week, and it says they were laughing together. Well, they're doing more than laughing together, because Abimelech looked down and says, you know, brothers and sisters can laugh, but this was a little more than laughing. So I don't really know what was going on there, but it was enough for Abimelech to call uh, Isaac up and say, okay, what's the deal? What's going on here? What are, what are you doing? And Abimelech, or Isaac basically fesses up and he says, well, I was afraid. I was afraid that if you found out that she was my wife, you'd kill me. And so he was very upset, Abimelech, understandably so. And he said, you know, and Isaac said, well, I did this because I was afraid. I was afraid, so I lied. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever out of fear been cornered and you just keep lying? And it's a fear. It's a fear of being found out, right? It's a fear of, maybe you're doing it right now. Maybe you've got a big lie in your life right now, and you're lying out of fear. You say, if they ever found out. And you're carrying that burden. Well, finally he comes clean, and Abimelech basically puts a, an order out, and he basically says, uh, nobody touch him, nobody touch her. They're off limits. Leave them alone. And so... Uh, Isaac moves into a new phase where God begins to really prosper him. He becomes very rich. He um, so rich to the point that Abimelech is, is, feels threatened and challenged. And so he, he says, you need to, to move. So he does. And they move to uh, various places where they're trying to get in, in that land. It's very desolate. And finding water is just a huge, huge thing. 
So every time they'd find water, there'd be this debate between the shepherds of Abimelech and Isaac's people. And so they kept moving and moving and moving. Finally, they come to a place called Beersheba where they're able to drill a well and they're able to be at peace. And God comes to Isaac again and reaffirms his covenant with Isaac. And we're going to see that this covenant is very important. Uh, So Abimelech comes to uh, Isaac and he just says, hey, we've seen God working in your life. And I I think my reading of this chapter is Abimelech comes to Isaac and says, hey, God's on your side. He he really is blessing you. So let's have an agreement that we're we're friends (laughs) because that's probably a good thing for you and for me and especially for me. And so they make a covenant, they make an agreement, and, you know, Abimelech kind of portrays that he was much nicer and better to Isaac than he really was, and Isaac kind of holds his tongue, according to the chapter. You know, he doesn't say anything. Uh, but they, they, come, they part kind of as, okay, we're, 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 we're okay. So the last two verses are kind of interesting, because we have, remember, there are two boys here. There's, there's Isaac and there's Esau, Esau the firstborn. And... Uh, it says that uh, Esau married two foreign women. And the last phrase is very interesting. It says that, 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 that they brought great, they made, it says these wives made life miserable for uh, Isaac and Rebekah. So uh, Esau, basically the, the oldest son, marries this, this woman, these women, and make life miserable. So what I want to focus on is I want to focus on this one part of the chapter where um, Isaac just lies and why he lied. And he did it because of fear, and that's really what I want to talk about. How can we better face our fears? How can we better face our fears? Well, the first thing is that fear melts away as we reflect on the promises of God. And the point I want you to see is that God has just made this incredible, incredible reaffirmation of the Abrahamic covenant to Isaac. And you can read it and turn there. It's on page 20. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bible in the chair. It's on page 20. It's it's Genesis chapter 26. And I'm going to start reading at verse 3. God is talking to Isaac and he says this. He says, live here as a foreigner in in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. And I will give all these land. I will give them, I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she is my sister. He was afraid. Notice, he was afraid. Now, again, we know time has transpired since God promised this, and his, this but the point is, um, he was afraid. He was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought, they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. So fear got a grip on him, and he lied about Rebekah. Calling her his sister, sadly, uh, Bimelech, a pagan, had to call him out. 
And it's sad because Abimelech, who is a pagan, is acting more honorably than Isaac, who is a, a, a God follower, you know, a, a Yahweh follower. So Isaac, uh, Isaac stopped fearing and trusting God. Instead, he started fearing everyone else. And that's the principle that is so important for us to hear. As long as we fear God, we have nothing to fear from anyone or anything. But the minute we stop fearing God, we begin to fear everyone and anything. And, and it's so important for us to understand that. When we cast our worries, our fears on Him, we can live fearless lives. Many of us are not living those fearless lives because we're afraid of what people think. We're afraid of what people can do. We're afraid of circumstances. We're afraid of this. We're afraid of that. And all that means is that we've stopped fearing God. We've stopped fearing God. Notice what uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. He says, Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. But notice what he says in, the la- in verse 7. Give all your worries and cares, you could add fears there, to God, for He cares for you. You see, you can choose not to worry. Worry is a choice that you make. Fear is a choice that you make. Uh, and, and Peter says you don't have to. You can choose not to worry. You can choose not to fear. You can choose to trust. And, and that's a hard thing to do. And again, this sermon is not going to be anything where you go, oh man, a light's going to go on. It all makes sense now. We already know this. But we need to be reminded of it. It's something we need to hear. Uh, I, like, I like what Rick Warren said. He said, fear is an, is an imposed prison that w- will keep you from becoming what God intends for you to be. You must move against it with the weapons of faith and love. So when you're tempted to worry, choose rather to trust God, to fear Him. Don't give in to your fears. So that's the first thing. Secondly, fear leaves us uh, when we remember God's plan for our lives. So this is why I think it's so important that we have twice in that chapter God reaffirming to Isaac, I'm in your corner. I'm on your side. I have a plan. You don't have to be afraid. I'll take care of you. And that's what we all need. Not just Isaac. We all need to hear that. We need to know that God is with us and that He's on our side and He has a plan. He didn't say it would be easy. He didn't say it would be without trouble. And that's the thing. Sometimes we, we, we think, well, I'm a Christian. I'm fo- trying to follow Him. Why is it so hard? Why doesn't life get easier? Why doesn't... And, and Jesus told us, you know, it's interesting. In the, in the high priestly prayer where Jesus is praying with His disciples, He prays, God, Father, I pray that You don't take them out of the world, but while they're in the world, You'll be with them. Now, hear that again. And, and another time, Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation." It's not an easy place to live here. It's not a, it, sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes there's a lot of things to be afraid of and to fear. There's a lot of... Uh, fear isn't, you know, it's not super irrational most of the time, but it's something that we need to stop doing. And the reason, the way we do it is uh, we choose to do it. See, storms are not an option. Jesus says you're going to have storms. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. So those are not an option. That's part of life. But to fear is. Fearing is an option. You don't have to fear. It's not necessary to fear. It's not necessary to fall apart. It's not necessary to allow it to destroy your life. Um, God placed us in a fallen world where there's trouble, there's trials, and there's tribulation. He hasn't promised to shield us from danger, 
but to shield us in danger. And that's, that's really critical. Let me just say that one more time. God promises to shield us in danger, not from danger. Some of you believe that because you're going through a trial, God has left you. He doesn't care. He doesn't, he, he's not in your corner anymore. But he, here's what God has promised. He's promised that within the danger, He will be with you. He doesn't say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you from the danger. He says, in the midst of the danger, I'll watch over you. I'll be with you. I'll, I'll walk with you in that. So God promises to shield us in the danger, not from the danger. He promises that even in trouble, He can still and, and will work out this for our ultimate good. And, and, you know, one of the verses that we often use is Romans 8.28. And it says this, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Now, a couple of caveats in that verse. One is, it's for those who love God. It's not for those who don't care about God. It's not for those who say, okay, God, I'm throwing this, 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 uh, I'm going to say this and I'm not trying to offend anyone. A Hail Mary prayer up. <laughs> okay? You get my point. I, I, I don't pray, but I'm going to throw this up just because I just need to do that. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about those who love God. And the promises that, Believers, followers of Jesus, here's the thing. He says, I not only can take bad things that people are doing to you, bad choices that you made, I can turn them out for good, for your ultimate good. I'm God. I can do that. So even in the midst of being in these trials and tribulations and troubles, God can turn them around for our good. He didn't say all things are good, but he's saying that he can work all things out for our good. And, you know, maybe that's this side of heaven, maybe it's the other side. But the point is, God is working, and God cares, and God has a plan. Um, That means we can stop listening to our fears. There's no difficulty, there's no dilemma, defeat, disaster in life, or in the life of the believer, that can ultimately turn out for our... God can turn them all out for our ultimate good. So you don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. Therefore, we have no need to fear the future. God has a plan. Uh, we need, just need to trust Him. Again, this is not something you've never heard before, but it is something that we need to hear again and again and again. Because I guarantee you that some of you this week are going to be faced with a trial, a tribulation, you're going to have some sort of trouble. The first thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to fear. You're going to want to be afraid. You're going to, your life, and you have to come to a place saying, no, 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 time out. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. Uh, number three, fear reveals that we've shifted our faith foundation. And that's kind of what happened to Isaac. Isaac forgot who God was. Isaac forgot the promises that God had made to him. Isaac forgot that he said, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to make your children numerous. I'm going to bless you. And, 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 and beyond. you're not going to be able to count your kids. You're going to have so many. I'm going to be, make you a blessing to future generations somehow. And so ultimately he makes these incredible promises to Isaac. But he forgets them. We fear simply because our faith foundation has shifted to an inferior one. When Isaac had stopped trusting God, he began to fear men. That's what happened. And it happens with us. When we get our eyes off of God and we get our eyes on others, and we worry more about what others think than what God thinks, and we fear them more than we fear God, then fear enters our life. That's where it comes from. Um, but when, but he, what he did is he shifted his faith foundation and this led to fear. 
And this is what we do. We often let inferior things take God's place. But when we fear God, we become fearless. So I was thinking about it as I was preparing. I was thinking about the transformation in the disciples. In the New Testament, if you read Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John are out and they're preaching and the religious leaders bring them in and they kind of rough them up. And they basically said, no, you, you guys got to stop. Just stop doing that. And they throw them in a prison. They start talking about what they're going to do with these guys. And, and uh, they basically, I want you to turn there. I want you to look at that. Actually, I have these verses up, but you can turn there. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. So the council, the members of the, this council bring them in, and they begin to kind of tell them to cease and desist, okay? And these are the same ones that when Jesus needed them at the at his darkest hour, they were running. They were running away. You know, they were hiding. But notice the transformation. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They uh, also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And that's a really important thing to understand. Uh, Sometimes we fear because we've not been with Jesus. And you know, if you're not with God, if you're not, you know, taking God's word in and remembering the promises and remembering what He's done for you and remember how much, how loved you are and that He has a plan for you, if you're not allowing your heart to hear those things, your heart will go off at the, it will just go off and you'll just, you'll just, you'll have all sorts of fear and all. But these men, they said, had been with Jesus and that made all the difference. So notice what happens in verse 18. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than Him? (laughs) I love that. It's like, uh, duh. (laughs) Essentially, they said, you know what? If it comes down to us obeying you or God, you know, it's no brainer. We're going to obey Him. We don't care what you think. Now, everybody in that society cared what they thought, what these, this council thought, except Peter and John and the rest of the followers. Because they knew who Jesus was and they knew who they were in Christ. And it made all the difference. See, fear invades our lives because we worry more about the opinions of men than God. Fear, or fail, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of being alone, they're all... They all stem from a desperate desire to be noticed, loved, and accepted, and cherished. All those fears come from, I need to be loved. I need to be accepted. I, and so, we, you know, we lie because we're afraid that they may, or we, they may, we do that because we're, we, we, we live in fear. Um, but notice what John says. He says this, we know how much God loves us. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Um, You know, one of the things that we really have to get a picture of in our head is we have this perception of God that once we, we cross that line of faith, once we're in Christ, once we call upon Jesus and we ask Him to come into our life and to be our Savior, and He takes away our sins and He sets us free... We no longer have to fear death because it has no power over us. Death just leads into real life. 
And so when we get to that point, uh, we have to come to a place where we say, who, who am I in his eyes? I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm his delight. He's working on me to make me into his masterpiece, right? Have you ever been... So, so we don't have that picture. And some people walk around thinking that God is waiting for them to step out of line. And the minute they step out of line, he just wants to whack them. Right? I have a story, but I won't tell it because it will be offensive. Now you say, well, what is it? I want to hear it. No. <laughs> I won't cross that line. But the point is... So many people have this view of God that he is just waiting for you to mess up. And he's just, I was talking to a father recently. And here's what he said. He said, uh, I'm having a difficulty with a relationship with one of my children. And they're going down a path that's not, I'm, I'm, it's disappointing. It's, it's breaking my heart. And I said, are you angry? He said, no, I'm not angry. I'm broken. Because they're my kid and I love them. And it breaks my heart because I know where this path leads. Right? That's where God is. That's where our Father is. He's a much better Father than we are. And He doesn't get angry with us. His heart is broken. Because we're loved by Him. We're cherished by Him. He just... Somehow we bring joy to Him. Because of Christ. That, that's what the Bible says. And so, you know, have you ever been to, like, the... I remember, this was a long time ago. You saw our, our son, Cal, he's going to graduate. And it was, like, 18 years ago, this August, we came into town, and he was just a little baby. Now he's graduating, so time has flown, right? But I remember going to... The schools, when they were in their little kindergarten, first grade, second grade concerts. They called them concerts. And I remember going to when they had the older middle school choir singing string instruments first concert. Yeah, that was... I remember that. And I remember listening to these kids sing off-key and just dance around. And not supposed to dance, they're supposed to, but they're just doing everything but what... But, and it's not good music. It's just not. It's cute, but it's not good. I mean, nobody's going to go, well, that's good stuff. Let's get them down. And you... you you hear these people playing instruments, and this is the first they've been playing three weeks. And they don't have it mastered, and it's off, really, really off. And you're sitting there going, yeah. And you're sitting there watching your kid play, and it's not good. And if you were to look, not at the kids, but at the parents, you know what you would see? You'd see, well, back then you'd see camcorders, and, 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 and they would be recording every minute of it, and you go, what are you doing that for? <laughs> you know? Why? Because that's my kid making that horrible music. It's my kid, right? And I love them. And that's your Father in Heaven. That's, that's, that's why you don't have to fear it. And, and the point that God was trying to make to Isaac is, 
I got promises for you. I got a plan for you. You don't have to fear. I'm in your corner. I love you. And when we allow inferior things to take, and that's what Peter and John got. You know, doesn't really matter what you do. You know, the Daniel's four friends, they're getting ready to be thrown into a fiery furnace and they say, you know what? God can deliver us. But if He does, it doesn't really matter. Because we're never going to bow down to you. It's not going to happen. Why would we? And essentially what they're saying is we are fearless. Why are they fearless? Because we fear God. Because we know we're loved by Him. See, the cross for us settles it once and for all. We're loved. We're accepted. We're cherished. We're forgiven. If we matter so much to the most important person in the universe, who else matters? But we worry about what other people think. So it leads us to sin. Lying, deceit, treachery. Last point. Fear is defeated, best defeated as we worship the Lord. Notice what he says. Go down to Genesis, back to Genesis page 20, verse 23. Isaac moved to Beersheba where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham. He said, do not be afraid for I am with you and will bless you and I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. And I will do this because of the promise to Abraham, my servant. And essentially why he's bringing Abraham in is he's saying, I made a promise to your father and I keep my promises. Just want you to know that. I have a track record. <laughs> you know? Then, then it says, notice the last phrase, Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. And, and this is a key phrase because when we worship God, fear goes away. And the problem is we're not... We're not looking at God. When we're fearing, we're not looking at God. We're not thinking of God. We're not worshiping God. We're worried because we're looking at this horizontal level of life, right? Fear dies when we worship Him. Sin is worshiping the wrong thing, anything other than Jesus. And as we worship Jesus, we find peace, acceptance, joy, forgiveness, and love. And what we need to do is we need to remember His promises. And we only get the promises from the Word of God. And that's why we need to be in the Word of God, so we know the promises. So what I want to do is just take a minute, and I want to give you kind of an application of how you can worship your fears away, pray your fears away, whatever phrase you want to use, uh, that you can do that. And here's a couple of examples. Here's how you can worship your fears away. How about the fear of the future? You simply do this. You say, God, I fear, I reject the fear of the future because I believe that my future is in your hands. And I've said that to you as you've left before. I've said things like, we don't know what this week holds, but we know who holds this week. It's not meant to be just a clever little statement. It's meant to be a truth that we understand and we take to heart. That God knows exactly what's going to happen in your life this week. Nothing is going to come up as a surprise to Him. He's well aware of it, and He wants you to remember that He is going to be with you in the midst of that. It, he will walk with you in that. Um, let me give you another. The fear of evildoers. Uh, we don't have to fear evildoers. Why? Notice uh, the, 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 the Word of God says, Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. In other words, he's saying, God, in the midst of this difficult time, will not keep me from it, but will keep me within it. 
The trouble will be there, but He will protect me. He will preserve me. Um, Rejection, the fear of rejection. David wrote this. He says, For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. The Lord will take me in. How about the fear of death? You renounce the fear of death. For I affirm that with the Apostle Paul where he says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And we thank Him for the promise, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15. And so you say, I don't fear death anymore. Why? Because I'm praying the Scriptures back. I'm worshiping the Scriptures. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm looking at the promises of God's Word and I'm saying, these promises are for those who are in Christ, those who love God. And so as I love God, I realize He's my Father and He has a plan and He will care for me. How about the fear of losing my property and possessions? Um, Paul writes this, I've learned that whatever situation I am, whatever, in, in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know the secret of facing plenty and hungry, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul's saying, it doesn't matter whether I have a lot or a little. He's with me. And His strength is enough for me. He will carry me. He will help me. And so we don't worry about I have to have this much or I have to have this. or You don't have to have anything. You just need Him. And so that's the way to pray that back. So the real irony as we go, we think about Isaac is this. This is the young boy that was laying on the altar when his father had a knife above him. And God said, stop. And not only did God say stop, but God provided a lamb. He provided a ram caught in the thicket of, of, of bushes. And so, if God, the point is, if God can provide the bigger things in life, can He take care of the small things? Well, yeah. And so, if, if God can provide His Son, a Savior, for the greatest need that anyone in this room ever has, the fear of sin, or the, the penalty of sin and the fear of death, if God could provide His Son, and did provide His Son, and if His did came from heaven to earth as a rescue party of one for us, and gave His life, lived the life we should have lived, died to death we should have died, climbed up on a cross and died, was buried and rose again on the third day, if God could take care of our greatest need, can He take care of the little things? Well, the answer is yes. So do we need to fear? If the most important person in the universe says, I love you, I forgive you, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Nothing will happen to you that I'm not aware of and that I'm not in control of. There's no reason to fear. But we have to rehearse these and remind ourselves. We have to speak to our hearts. We have a far... And and by the way, Isaac had a limited revelation. He, he, He only had, you know... God was faithful to Abraham. We, God was faithful to Abraham. God was faithful to Isaac. I was faithful to Jacob. God was faithful to Joseph and the nation of Israel. God was faithful to, to uh, Moses. God was faithful to the nation of Israel. God was faithful to Daniel. And Dan, God was faithful to his friends. So we, we, we have Jesus. <laughs> we, we, we know about Jesus. We know about what he did on the cross. So we have much, much, much more information and knowledge so that we have less reason to fear than anyone because we know how it ends. We have the book of Revelation where John says, in the end, he wins. He's already won, but ultimately. 
So we can walk out. We can leave this, this building today and we can have our heads up knowing that no matter what happens, He's in control. He has a plan. He has a purpose. We don't have to fear. We have a Savior who went to the cross to take the death blow for us. He took our place. He died for us. If He willingly gave His life to save us from the penalty of sin and death, to once, uh, once and for all destroy the power of death, Will he not also care for the little things in life? And that's why Peter says, cast all your worries, your fears, your cares for him. For he cares for you. He's in your corner. So when you leave this place, realize that you have the most important person in the world who's not only in your corner, but loves you. And if you were putting on a really crummy concert, he'd be sitting there with his camcorder going, catching every moment of it. Because he loves you. And you don't have to fear. He's in charge. He's in control. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for your love for us that is undeserved, unmerited. It's just lavished on us beyond our wildest imaginations. You have invested so much into us. You have made promises to us. You have uh, provided for us. Uh, We don't know what this week holds, Father, but we know you hold this week. We know that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, that you are working on a, a great creation, a masterpiece. And, Father, we're going to be challenged this week with news, with situations, maybe at work or at school, where we're, we're challenged to fear and maybe to lie and do other sins. May we remember the message today. May we hear your word again. May we rehearse the promises that you've made to us through your word so that we will not fear. And will we, Father, help us this week to play to an audience of one because we are so loved by you. So as we leave today, help us to leave with our heads up, knowing that we are loved by the most important person in the universe. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.